most popular technology radio. Your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host. Hey, welcome everyone. It's a new edition of Popular Technology Radio. I'm Mike Etchart. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully you're having a good week, a good day. Here on the radio, we are talking about tech and we are going to cover the big Apple announcement. We've got a lot of things to say about that and then another smaller but equally so almost interesting announcement about IKEA and uh, working with Sonos on a product. So we're going to kind of actually pick up on the theme. I think we were talking about cord cutting and and all of these options that we all have these days for alternative TV programming, so to speak. And one, of course, the announcements that we're going to talk about later in the next segment is the big Apple announcement. Um, but, you know, we are reaching, before we talk about that, I want to talk about actually an article that was in my hometown newspaper, the Los Angeles Times, by a writer by the name of David Lazarus. He is one of my favorite writers. He actually writes in the business section and kind of on consumer stuff. But he was talking about... The concept of are we really at sort of a point with all of these streaming services now? Of course, we, many of us have Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. Are we at a time of subscription fatigue? David's article just this week in the LA Times, which you can look up online, I'm sure, talks about that fatigue because here we have the Apple announcement. And it's really one of presumably at least three announcements that are going to happen this year about these new streaming services on top of the ones that already exist. So are we actually getting subscription fatigue? David Lazarus points out that there is actually a um, Deloitte, a consulting firm Deloitte, actually released a, uh, a digital media trends survey just last week, and they're saying that 47% of streaming video subscribers feel there are too many services, too many choices, too many ads, and the big one, too many monthly fees. It's hard to believe, but there are, I want to say, more than 100 subscription options these days. Many of them are small, of course, but if you are like me, at least I'm paying for every month I have Netflix, I pay for Amazon Prime, I pay for Hulu, and I pay for HBO as we are heading into the last season of Game of Thrones. You can bet that I am paying for that. But don't forget, you know, all of these initially came about because we were looking for alternatives to the big cable TV bundle. But here we are. We are getting ready to spend a lot of money per month. There was a report released earlier this week also on comparecards.com, which is actually a credit card comparison site. But they were saying that people with online subscriptions currently spend an average of $38 a month on online subscriptions. Of those people, 65% actually already have a pay TV service. So lots of people are having some sort of a cable bundle already on top of those additional streaming services. So it is interesting, and most people have at least three services. So in the world we are talking about now, which of course is maybe uh, something from Apple coming out, Disney coming out later in the year, Warner Media likely having one come out later on in the year, what do you cut back? What do you say is important, and what do you say I don't need? Are we at that point of burnout where there's just too many subscription services? Well, I'm kind of there already. I'm actually looking at my package that I have in my house, and I'm trying to decide if what's worth it because uh, there's so much great TV on all of them. So what do we do? What is the choices we have? So that's going to be framing our conversation today. 
And then, you know, also we lost a great one this week. If you're a music fan, as I am, and a fan of 80s music, there's a wonderful band out of the UK known here as the English Beat. Of course, they were just called the Beat in the UK, but a great ska band in the 80s and hugely, hugely popular here in the States. And their co-frontman, Ranking Roger, passed away this week at the very young age of 56. So we're going to be playing a lot of English beat music today because celebrate the life of Ranking Roger and that wonderful band, uh, the English beat. Very, very sad to see him him pass away. And uh, But I do want to play a lot of that great music, hugely influential on me personally and just some of the best music to come out of the 80s. So you will be hearing some great English beat music today in memory of Ranking Rogers. So sit back. We've got a lot more coming. We are talking about the Apple events and announcements this week. All kinds of cool stuff with that new Sonos thing from Ikea. We'll get the bottom line on all of that right here. It's Popular Technology Radio. Stick with us. We are coming right back. Cancer is the number one cause of death by disease for children in the U.S. today. Since the Austin Hatcher Foundation's birth in 2006, it has grown to provide unique programs to help the children and the families affected by pediatric cancer. Support begins at the time of diagnosis and continues throughout survivorship at no cost to families. Lives touched by the foundation continue to rise each day. But we need your help. Donate, volunteer, or partner with the Austin Hatcher Foundation. Learn how you can get involved. Visit HatcherFoundation.org for more information. Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio. This show is presented in part by Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. Now, here's your host. And welcome back, everyone. It is Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchart. And who better to talk about Apple stuff than my good friend, tech pundit, Howard Soroka. Howard, how are you on this fine day? I'm fine, Mikey. It's been a long time. It has. Yeah. We're getting the band back together, Howard. We are talking about tech on the radio, on podcasts. It is so fun to have you. And, you know, you and I are both... Um, jaded old men. Jaded old men. Well, there is that. But back in the day, it's hard to even remember, before iPhones, before iPods, there were, of course, Apple computers... And they were a group of folks that were maybe not fanboys, but just aficionados, let's say, of Apple products. Would you, would you say that's correct? Yeah, sure. I've been falsely accused of that myself. <laughs> okay. but So we were Apple fans back when it was not cool to be an Apple fan, before all the cool stuff came out. They just made really good computers. So we both have a long history with the company in terms of just being proponents of their stuff. And so that's why I thought it'd be great to have you on the show. And we're talking about these new Apple announcements. And first of all, the biggest thing is Apple's in the content business. They've been in content business for a while, but now they're really in the content business. Yeah, yeah, they are. But, you know, it's interesting because if you look at the announcements that they made this week, there's kind of a lot of detail missing. It's a little bit like the bar report of Apple. (laughs) I'm, I'm scratching the surface and not finding a whole lot. We're getting some breadcrumbs, right? So it's yeah. And the first one is Apple News Plus. Now they at least have a fee attached to that one. That's going to be nine ninety nine a month. We kind of forget, but a tech company delving into news was actually started. I mean, decades ago by Microsoft and NBC, MSNBC, which Microsoft has long been out of it. But this is a little different spin on it. But 
Are you willing to commit $10 a month to a news service? Well, you know, it's interesting because that was immediately the second most interesting thing about the announcements to me. And I did kind of dig into it a little bit. And it is tempting to me, but I have a few issues with it. One of them is that, you know, I don't get to combine existing subscriptions that I have through Apple into that. For example, I have a Washington Post subscription. Right. Six bucks a month. And it's fine. But the Apple News Plus, that doesn't include Washington Post. So for my 10 bucks a month, I don't get the Washington Post. I get L.A. Times, which I also already get because I live in L.A. and subscribe to the paper. So I already have that for free. Me too. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So there, there's not a whole lot of news there that's exciting to me. I couldn't find a comprehensive list of what's included in the service, which magazines and which papers. And it doesn't sound to me like there are a whole lot of papers there. There's Wall Street Journal and L.A. Times. So that's not getting me excited yet. Yet, yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, I I love the idea of one single comprehensive news service that gives me news and magazines. The the fundamental concept here is great, and I would absolutely pay 10 bucks a month, especially if it could save me from paying six bucks a month to Washington Post, right? Yes, exactly. And I'm kind of of the same thing. And in fact, some of the other things that Apple has talked about in this announcement are sort of along that broad line, which is this kind of not really curated, but kind of a, a one-stop shopping for lots of different things, right? And so, right, uh, but that's it's, just, it's less comprehensive than it looks. You know, for example, uh, a lot of magazines, Vanity Fair, The New Yorker, whatever. These are these are your better magazines in this country, uh, and they have print editions, and they also have website content that is not the same as the print editions. And yeah. I believe in this Apple subscription service. What you're going to get is access to the digital form of the magazine issue. But you're not going to get access, not going to get free access anyways, to the rest of the magazine's website. So it's actually not a comprehensive offering for a lot of these magazines. And I wonder if that's going to change, though, of course. This is kind of early days, obviously, and they're going to probably bring on different partners and different... Yeah, I think it, it may change over time. I would expect that it will, but it's not quite as appealing... On second look, it, it's not a bad deal if you think about it. Ten bucks a month for all that content really is a bargain. It really is. Yes. And I'm sure it'll be done, you know, well enough that you can find what you're looking for. But it's not comprehensive. It really doesn't cover everything that you want if you're someone who's into, you know, a bunch of magazines and uh, mostly a lot of news. Before you came on, my first segment of the show, I talked about, you know, kind of subscription fatigue. Mm-hmm. Are you there? It's funny because I have that in my notes, too. I I made copious notes before we did this call. Uh, And at the top of my list is the two words subscription fatigue. And I think that's a real factor. I think that's a big deal. uh, And I think it's going to impact a a lot of subscription services, not just Apple. You know, people are tired of paying 10 bucks a month or six bucks a month or three bucks a month times 10 every month. And half the time they're not using, you know, even a fraction of what they're paying for. Well, and it's seductive. And when we start with little numbers, you tend to kind of go, oh, it's three bucks. What's five bucks? What's, you know, 10 bucks? And then you turn around and you're back to 200 bucks a month for your content subscriptions, whatever they may be. Right. We're back in the hole, right? We're back in the hole we were trying to get out of. So, all right, on that note, we got to take a quick commercial break. We are talking to tech pundit Howard Soroka about the Apple announcements, Apple News Plus, Apple TV app, all kinds of cool stuff. We got more when we come back. It is Pop Tech Radio. Roots, roots, 
Brembo has been stopping champions on the track as well as drivers like you and me on the street for over 50 years. Whether it's UV-coated brake discs, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go to buy genuine Brembo OE-equivalent replacement brake components. Go to BremboStoreUSA.com to help you achieve that 60-0 braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. Brembo, the choice of champions and consumers for over 50 years. And we are back. Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchart, Tech Pundit, Howard Soroka joining me talking about the big Apple announcements. Apple Arcade, <laughs> fall of 2019, no price. This is a, a gaming subscription. Right. Uh, ironically, you and I both worked in the games business, and neither of us are interested in this particular. <laughs> that, 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 I mean, that tells you something right there, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> you know, we were both in the games business for too long and now have no interest in games whatsoever. <laughs> the, the truth is, when I was in the games business, I had no interest in games whatsoever, which is why I'm not in it anymore. <laughs> well, and I, I, I think that's probably the, the same case for me. Games just aren't my cup of tea. But, you know, again, sort of a seemingly a kind of a curated product and no price announced on Apple Arcade. So... My guess, though, is it's probably going to be five ninety nine somewhere around there. I got to think that that's. Do you charge the same amount for the news as you do for arcade, and perhaps for their Apple TV Plus? Who knows how they're going to rate this? But I, I know, but that, those two words sure come back quick, don't they? Subscription fatigue. Subscription fatigue. Exactly. You got to decide. So the kind of outlier in this, which I thought was was just kind of odd was they have this apple card was also announced at this okay i'm gonna tell you that the apple (laughs) card is actually the most interesting thing of all of the announcements to me so why do you think it's the most interesting thing well because okay firstly if they do it right and they probably will yeah it's going to be ridiculously lucrative to apple Right. That's just a little money factory right there. Sure. As, sure. as they skim their margin off of every transaction times trillions, right? <laughs> They're good at that, as we already know, with the iTunes store, and they got that down. And the other reason is that I actually like the idea a lot. It appeals to me. I do use Apple Pay all the time. Okay. And I use Apple Pay, you know, obviously hooked up to existing credit cards. I think it's become the norm now that credit card companies are offering, you know, substantial rewards for loyalty. So, you know, my Amazon Prime card, for example, I've got back about 600 bucks this year for using that card. So that's pretty appealing. And they're going to give back 2% on purchases, 3% on Apple purchases, which is, I suppose, (laughs) the least they could do. (laughs) (laughs) And, And most importantly, it looks like it's going to be pretty convenient to use and very secure. Yes. And they said, although they didn't give details, that it's going to be amongst the most competitive rate-wise, interesting. Right. Well, and they won't have, you know, silly fees and things like that. So to a credit card user like me who basically pays off the bill all the time, pays it off quickly, it's terrific because I use my cards very heavily. The other thing that I'm expecting from this is that it's going to be pretty easy to get to your financial records of transactions, which is another thing I have to do every year at tax time, like now. Right. And the other thing that I thought was cool, only from just a cool standpoint, is at its core, it's a virtual product. That's right. But there is actually a physical card card if you want it. And it's made of titanium. Yeah. it's very Apple-like, seemingly. It's, it's got basically just your name on it and like an Apple logo, I think. Yeah. 
and how popular will that be? I'm going to guess that people will fall over themselves to get that. Well, they probably will. I'm thinking that that's the sleeper in all of this. That's the thing that's going to make the most dough for them over time <laughs> and be the easiest thing to administer, really. I mean, at the end of the day, once you've got your financial transaction infrastructure set up, you just kind of sit there and rake in the money. It's not like producing TV shows where you've got to keep making them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's that's going to be the gift that keeps on giving for them, presumably. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Well, let's move over then to, uh, well, first, they kind of have two things under the kind of heading of TV. They have got the Apple TV app, which right. is kind of one hub access across devices. I like that idea. Fortunately, no Netflix or Hulu on that. But then the big news, of course, is the thing we don't know all that much about in terms of price, likely coming in fall 2019, it's the Apple TV Plus subscription service, their version of Netflix, right? You know, this is, uh, and again, we've been talking about subscription fatigue. What do you let loose of to make room potentially for Apple TV Plus? If anything, there's likely an announcement from Disney later on in the year. There's likely an announcement from the new formed Warner Media, which they're calling the new AT&T Warner Brothers entity now. So suddenly Netflix doesn't have this playpen to themselves in terms of being the big fish in the pond. Right. Where do you think it is just in terms of the ecosystem that they're jumping into? Do you think they're going to be successful? How risky is it? Well, I don't see any reason why they couldn't be successful. I mean, if you want to go into the TV production business, film or TV business, what you need more than anything else is money. And what does Apple have more than anyone else? Money. (laughs) So they'll probably be fine. They clearly have no problem attracting talent. Right. That, I mean, the whole announcement was basically a little talent parade with not a lot of substance. So th- they're not going to have any trouble making good TV shows, assuming they have the brains to hire the right people to do it. And there's no shortage of those people. So I'm not worried that their content will not be good. Also, they'll allow their content to appear you know, in other people's services. So it's not going to be an Apple exclusive thing. If they produce a brilliant TV show, you'll be able to see it on your Apple device, but you'll be able to see it elsewhere too, right? So that's basically a venture into showbiz. Right. Well, and surprisingly, as our producer Cody mentioned, that one of the things they mentioned was it's going to be kind of PG content. It's going to be, you know, not necessarily, it's going to be a little family friendly, I suppose, which is interesting. Well, I think that that's, you know, that'll certainly have some appeal to parents of younger kids. You know, once your kids get to a certain age, you basically acknowledge that they're spending most of their life surfing porn on the internet anyways, and there's nothing you can do about it. So, you know, but until your kid is, oh, you know, five or six, you care about these things. Absolutely. And on that note, we do need to take a quick commercial that break. That was a joke, people. That was a joke. We're talking with Howard Soroka. He is the tech pundit. We are talking about Apple products and the Apple announcement, and we've got more when we come back. You're listening to Bob Tech Radio. It's Dodge Performance Days, where that new car smell gets replaced by the scent of burned rubber. With Dodge Charger and its available best-in-class 485 horsepower, Dodge Challenger Hellcat Red Eye, with up to 797 horsepower and 707 pound-feet of torque, and the powerful seven-passenger Dodge Durango. Hurry in for great deals now at Dodge Performance Days. Ward's large regular car vehicle segment. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.
Hey, welcome back. It is Popular Technology Radio. Mike Etchart with Howard Soroka talking about Apple, the Apple announcements, Apple News Plus, Apple Card, Apple Arcade, Apple TV app, Apple TV Plus. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of Apple products. They're jumping into the market. I guess if you're going to do these announcements, uh, you kind of kind of jumped into it with a quite a good a good team of people. Steven Spielberg, J.J. Abrams, Oprah Winfrey. Oh. Uh, they sh- they brought out the big guns, didn't they? They sure did. I mean, is there a bigger gun than Oprah? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And Apple, as they like to say, part of their DNA is entertainment. That's always been the platform. We've worked in the entertainment business for years. Everybody and on the production side uses Apple products. They've always been very, you know, one of their, you know, of course, they created the iPod and they didn't create iTunes. They acquired it. It's always been part of, of the Apple ecosystem, so to speak. So it certainly makes sense. Again, we, we've talked about this throughout the show. It, subscription fatigue. At what point do you say no? And if you get out your crystal ball and you're a betting man, who are they taking away from? Is Netflix going to lose some subscription folks to this? There is a huge fan base of people that just like Apple stuff. Yeah, I think, I mean, if I were going to bet on someone feeling some pain over this, I think I'd probably bet on Hulu. Mm. Um, Netflix, to me, is pretty strong. Mind you, you know, I'm not an expert on these matters. You know, in the years since I've been on this show, what have I been doing with my time? Not watching television. <laughs> So I'm not an expert in this. But to me, I think Hulu appears to be in a weaker spot than Netflix when compared to Apple. I think I think Apple's going to eat a little bit of Hulu's lunch on this, if not a lot. Doesn't it seem that way to you? Because Netflix has all these kind of big big ticket productions you know, right, on right. all the time. Well, and, and when I look at my current menu, you know, I've got Netflix, I've got Hulu, I've got Amazon Prime, which is its own kind of a thing off to the side. You know, that's yeah, yeah, I've got all that too. Yeah, content for them is kind of a value add. They want you buying products and getting two day shipping. So that is kind of an outlier, but and, and I won't likely get rid of that because I feed the Amazon beast with all of my purchases, which still kind of drives me nuts, but it's hard to beat. I have the same addiction myself. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, we both live in kind of quasi-semi-pseudo-rural areas where, where it's not easy to just pop down to, to the store. And so for folks like us, it's hard to beat Amazon. Yeah. But I think you're right. But I, haven't, I, haven't, I think I don't know enough to say that I'm ready to commit to Apple TV Plus. Not quite there yet, but we'll see. But I think you're right. If I had to get rid of one that I currently have, it'd probably be Hulu. But that's me, and that's the challenge that I have, like everybody has, which is it's not totally up to me. I've got three other people that live in my house, and they watch Hulu, I think, more than I do. So, you know, maybe I would just suck it up and add that. But then when Warner's comes out or Disney's come out, then I really have something to try to kind of figure out. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to me in this conversation is there's a conspicuous silence. There's a name you haven't mentioned. Which is? Which is Google. Ah, yes. You know, YouTube, Google, whatever it's called these days, they have a paid TV service, right? Mm -hmm. YouTube something or other. Um, And I forget about it so much because I'm always always saying no thanks. Well, I actually tried it for a little while and quickly decided that no thanks was the correct answer. But... (laughs) You know, they seem to be an also-ran or a not-quite-also-ran in so many of these content-based services. They can't make it with music. They can't make it with paid TV. Or, I don't know, are they, I mean, how is that Google TV? I don't know. It's funny. As as we were talking about it, I don't 
No, I, I'm going to certainly go back and look and see if I can check in and see how they're doing with that. But yeah. I think calling them an also-ran is probably not inaccurate because, at least to my perspective, my view, they are an also-ran. And, and maybe because I use them, I'm still using them for free stuff, essentially. I, I put up with the ads just to look at the, you know various things on YouTube that are there. Um, so, so it is available in a free form in some fashion. So perhaps that's why. Yeah. And that's probably its curse is that the public perception is that YouTube is free period. And unless they can do a much, much, much better job than Apple or Hulu or Netflix for a paid service, I think they're kind of doomed and they don't show the ability to do a better job either in terms of content or, presentation, you know, user interface, user experience, that kind of thing. So it's interesting that with all their money, they're not quite able to compete. But may I interject? Go ahead, Cody. You may. It's YouTube TV, and they're losing $60 million a year with no obvious path to not losing, as a article title I see here. <laughs> well, that's, that's... I've got a solution right there. If they gave me $10 million and shut the service down, then they'd only be losing $10 million a year. <laughs> Well, you know, that. thank you for bringing clarity to that particular situation. That is duly noted. But who knows? You know, they just announced a big gaming product at, at the Game Developers Conference, so which we talked about on the show. So perhaps they are sitting around reformulating that particular situation they have. So we shall see. But you're right. You know, they are kind of the elephant in the room that, at least at the moment, hasn't gotten their act together. But maybe they will. You know, that maybe yeah. they will. We shall see. <laughs> They're more like the elephant who's trying to get into the room. <laughs> the door. That's right. Well, they're certainly in the room and other things, but you're right in this particular area. But for us as consumers, it's kind of the best of times and maybe the worst of times as well, because at least like you and me, we were all trying to run away from that, you know, hundred to two hundred dollar a month commitment to cable. And now we have a ton of options, but it's so easy to get that number right back up again with all of these different things. And as I think you would probably agree, it is the golden age of television. It is, there is so much great programming. And <laughs> well, I, w- I would agree, but it's only hearsay to me because, you know, as I said, I haven't watched any television in 30 or 40 years. <laughs> well, I hear it's very good, though. I hear it's very entertaining. It's great. And there's, but, you know, even in the world, you and I both share a passion and love of, of documentaries pertaining to music. And, there's so many great ones out there right now. So just everything, whatever your niche is, whatever that corner of the universe that you are interested in is, there's some fantastic content supporting that. So it, it's, it, it is really hard to choose. And, and it's, I, I find it, I have to really judiciously decide what I'm going to commit to because I basically have pretty narrow bandwidth for that stuff. And for right now, it's Game of Thrones. That's kind of about it. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's the guy high-fiving his cat. <laughs> Well, to each his own. To each his own. Well, to me, that's the reason the internet exists. And that clip, if you haven't seen it, by the way, Google it. Guy high-fiving his cat. It's about five seconds long, which is my attention span, too. So it works perfectly. I could just watch it over and over again. (laughs) And clearly you do. And on that note, we have to say goodbye, Howard. It's been awesome having you on. Thanks for for spending the time. And can we do this again in the near future? Can we check in? Sure. Why not? I got nothing to do. Well, there you go. Exactly. All right. On that note, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. We're coming back after these words.
Have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare, and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind? Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com. It's Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchart, and I got my good friend Brent Butterworth. He is the audio and musical instrument writer for The Wire Cutter. Brent, good to have you on the show, brother. Well, thanks, Mike. It's great to be back on, as always. It's so fun to have you. Now, you are coming on because I, you know, there's this wacky little announcement that came out, and I think we're going to find out sometime in April the details, but there is going to be a Sonos-powered speaker coming out from ikea yeah called the symphonisk or symphony i'm I'm thinking symphonisk symphonisk s-y-m-f-o-n-i-s-k yeah i guess my first question is why does sonos need ikea i'm gonna guess ikea could use sonos but it's just an interesting pairing did you find interesting as well i do it's it's a little of both you know sonos I want to say Sonos was the leading brand in speakers for a while, or certainly one of the top two or three. And they've kind of lost some of that position because of the whole smart speaker explosion when Amazon became the number one speaker brand almost overnight. So this is a good thing for Sonos as well. It's an extra outlet where they're going to be a lot more visible and they'll have a whole new audience there, maybe. So for IKEA, you know, it's great because they're partnering with someone who already knows how to make a nice sounding speaker. So that's a good thing. I'm eager to see what they have. And plus with Ikea, I kind of expect some interesting design twists and some Mm -hmm. nice convenience factors and things like that. Yeah. I would would expect the same to the best of your knowledge. Has Ikea ever partnered with somebody like this in, in anything, but, but certainly in audio. I don't think so. You know, I don't follow everything they make, obviously. But in audio, you know, they've had some Bluetooth speakers out there that were IKEA branded, but they were like $50. And they were kind of like just something that, you know, clearly they hadn't put a a lot of major work into, uh, both in terms of the design and the promotion. They're kind of somewhat generic. And they may well have just bought them lock, stock, and barrel from some manufacturer in China. This is a lot more serious of an effort, obviously. So clearly, IKEA talked to Sonos and said, let's make something and let's make it really good. And, you know, I imagine since it's Sonos, you know, the minimum it would cost is a couple hundred bucks. It might be more, but we you know, we still don't know. All we've seen is a couple of pictures. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 yeah. But nope, you can tell I, a lot from pictures. You know? Well, can you tell? Yes. You know, I'm not sure that I can tell a lot from pictures, but if you were a betting man, and I guess uh-huh. you are at this point, what do you think it's going to be? Okay, well, it's Sonos, so I can tell you, you know, almost certainly it will have some kind of Wi-Fi connectivity. So it will connect to your home network, yeah. and you'll use an app on your phone to tell it to stream probably maybe content from your hard drive like music files that you have stored there although that's getting kind of old school so probably what 
you know, the focus is going to be on streaming services. So you'll get your, your Pandora and your Spotify and your title and, and your uh, tune in radio and your, who knows what, you know, there's so many of them now. So I think the focus is going to be on that. And it's certainly going to have to be app controlled. The big question for me is whether or not this is a smart speaker, meaning, you know, is it like the Sonos play one, which I have, which is just like a speaker and you control it through your app and it, play stuff but you can't talk to it whereas the sonos one if i remember the name correctly is a full-on smart speaker that competes with amazon echo right so you know you talk to it and you say you give it whatever the command and in that case the sonos speakers are alexa compatible so you give them an alexa command you know alexa i'm not going to do it because i have an alexa working right behind me so and the thing's sitting here flashing at me going like oh wait 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 what, do we, what, what can i do <laughs> um here's the thing to, to make that work, you need a microphone array because the microphone array has multiple microphones and it's directional. So it, it basically hears your voice and it figures out where your voice is coming from and it kind of focuses in on your voice to eliminate all the noise so that your voice can be heard more clearly by the massive servers on the other end of the line. So with a mic array, you know, if you look at the Sonos speaker or if you look at the Amazon speakers, they all have the mic array on top. Mm-hmm. But this thing is showing, first of all, that it can be oriented vertically or horizontally. You know, it's about the size of a, a large fat book. It's about that sort of form factor. They show it being turned on its side and used as a shelf. And then they also show it upright, like in a bookshelf alongside some books. And so unless they have a microarray that is, and you know, the problem with your microarray is it kind of needs to be omnidirectional. It needs to point in all directions in the room. And that's why it's on the top of an Amazon Echo. So <laughs> I can just go on and on about microarrays. I love um, the sleuthing of this. So, yeah. so for your microarray to work, it needs to be in a normal room. It needs to be in a horizontal configuration. But in this case, that would be impossible to do. They show it as a shelf. They show it with a knick-knack doodad thing on top of it, which would obviously block your mic array. And then as a book, it doesn't leave a lot of space for the mic array on the top. And then, of course, you'd need two mic arrays and have to tell it which one. So it could have a mic array in the front. That will work. Not as well. as you know. Some TVs have that now. The TVs that are just now coming out that have voice command. So it could have a mic array in the front. But that's the big question is, is it going to be a smart speaker or not? And I'm going to guess you're betting that maybe not. Well, I'm seeing something on the Engadget blurb here that it is compatible with IKEA's other smart home devices. But what does compatible mean? Does that mean <laughs> well, that could mean that it is like an Amazon Echo and you can talk to the Amazon Echo and say, you know, turn on my bedroom light or whatever, and it will. But then there's also smart home devices that just like... A lot of the Google Home setups, it will just work as part of a network. And you say, hey, Google, play Miles Davis on the bedroom speaker, even though if you're not in the bedroom, and it'll work like that. So there's all sorts of variables here. We've got to take a quick commercial break. We're talking to Brett Butterworth from Wirecutter about the new Sonos-powered IKEA speaker, which we don't even know what it's going to be. So we're speculating on that and more. When we come back, it's Pop Tech Radio. I confess. No one ever said, give it a bit. No one ever said, give it less. We say, give it everything. The world wasn't built by half measures, by the half-hearted. So when we set out to build our boldest SUV ever, 
we didn't hold anything back. Introducing the all-new Telluride. Kia. Give it everything. Expected spring 2019 in limited quantities. It's Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchart from The Wirecutter. We've got Brent Butterworth. He's got his detective hat on and his magnifying glass, and we are looking at pictures of the new Symphonies. What did we say, Brent? What do we think? Symphonis? Symphonis. That's right, Symphonis. <laughs> the new IKEA Sonos thing that is going to apparently be announced sometime in early April, not coming out, I think, till the summer or the fall. Yeah. We don't know the price. We don't know the features. So that's what we're kind of sleuthing and trying to find out. Now, on the break, you're ready to throw down, Brett. You think it is? Okay. Based on all of the, you know, my scanning of the controls and, you know, my knowledge of Sonos and my knowledge of microphone arrays, I'm just going to take a guess and say this is nothing more than a somewhat reconfigured Sonos Play One, which is their current speaker that I think is about 149 or 169 dollars or something right. like that. Right. So that that is, is not fine. activated, not voice activated, just a Wi-Fi speaker. Right, just a Wi-Fi speaker. So you control it through an app, and you can stream from whatever service you want. You can play your files stored on your computer. Uh, and that's great. That's fine. It's probably not going to be... Um, they would have had to redo the speaker array inside it, I think, to because the Sonos Play 1 is kind of short and fat, and this thing is tall and skinny. Um, so they would have probably had to reconfigure the driver array. So, And it also looks like it's not as robust, because the Sonos Play 1 is this kind of rugged heavy, heavy little chunky thing, whereas this doesn't look like that. I'm going to take a guess and say this is going to come out for 150 bucks, and it's just going to be Wi-Fi. Okay. Well, there you go. Given that, I'm going to throw down and say I, be, I think it's going to be 99 bucks. I think they're going to, Ooh. I think they're going to get it under 100 bucks. That's Ooh. hard. Ooh. You know what? I think you're right. I think they're going to go price. Since it's not feature-laden, it's going to be pretty attractive price. Yeah, and they seem to have really cost-reduced it versus the Sonos uh, Play 1. I'm going to guess you are right. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll <laughs> this is so funny this, <laughs> that we're just sitting here guessing about this thing. About the thing, yeah, exactly. But, you know, this category, and I don't own a Sonos product. You know, Sonos is, I, I'm surprised to read that Sonos has been around since 2004, 2005. They've been around for a long time. They're based, of course, here in Southern California. And as you mentioned in kind of the first segment, they've got a lot of competition now from Amazon in terms of the voice-activated speakers. And that's kind of taken over that category, I suppose, right? It's kind of a voice-activated world for the most part. But I was surprised to hear you say on our break that no Sonos product has Bluetooth. Is that correct? Not to my knowledge. They were notorious for not having it. Gotcha. So it's all Wi-Fi based. Interesting. And just because of the um, the inherent relatively short length of distance you can be from the device, is that principally that? Or is there audio reasons why they wouldn't want that? Um, I, honestly, I have never figured it out because it costs nothing to add Bluetooth. I mean, you, you find Bluetooth headphones for under 20 bucks. Right. So... I'm, I guess it's just like they didn't want to introduce greater complexity, although other systems that are Wi-Fi have Bluetooth and they work fine. I don't know. You know, I'm seeing on Variety now. I'm, I found another article about this, and they talk about it being a smart speaker. However, I think a lot of people sort of 
brand any speaker that's more than just a speaker nowadays is a smart speaker because right. as we discussed before there's all sorts of definitions of smart speakers yeah 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 sir we will find out yeah. we will find out on that note we do need to wrap up this edition of pop tech radio big thanks to brent butterworth right we need to do this more frequently it's too long since you've yeah been. well i'm around man all right we're gonna check in with you very very soon i do want to thank everyone for listening today. Don't forget, we are podcast. If you want to go back and revisit some of our older episodes, you can go wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, iTunes, and others. And to the great stations that carry us across the great U.S., we are syndicated through Radio America. Thanks to Radio America. Thanks to the stations that are carrying us. And a big thanks to Cody Castleberry. Cody is my producer and engineer and editor. He makes the whole ship run smoothly. And as I mentioned at the top of the hour, that we've been playing lots of English beat music. Uh, Very, very sad to read about the passing of Ranking Roger. He was one of the founders and co-front person of the English beat and general public. And he passed away this week at the very young age of 56. So uh, very sad to hear of his passing, but a great artist and a great band, and, and that music will live on. And Brent, if I were to throw back in your court and say, what are you listening to right now that's got you excited? You're a jazz guy. Give me something that you're digging right now. I will. There's a, a jazz piano player named Frank Kimbrough, K-I-M-B-R-O-U-G-H, okay. and he's been around a long time, but he just did an album that is, I think it's, I'm getting it on Spotify, but it's got, it's like a three or four disc set. It's every tune Thelonious Monk ever written, so it's 50 some odd tunes, really greatly performed with a lot of energy, and you know, jazz isn't always known for <laughs> creativity and energy. But this is like full of energy. It's full of love. It just really is awesome. It's called Monk's Dreams, I believe. Okay. Really good. Right on. We will check that out. So, folks, thanks for listening in. We will see you next time on Popular Technology Radio. The big news from Subaru is the all-new three-row Ascent. It's the biggest SUV from Subaru ever. There's room for seven or eight passengers with a choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. It'll tow up to 5,000 pounds. It has the interior space you need for your whole crew. And it gets you where you want to go with the safety of a Subaru, including standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. Maximum towing capacity varies by trim level, and trailer brakes may be required. See your retailer for details.